Welcome to the Immigrant Incorporate podcast. I'm excited to have my conversation today with Fatim Mbaye. Fatim is a technical program manager at Qualcomm, a world-leading wireless tech innovator. She currently leads and supports programs and cross-functional teams in the XR business unit in a rapidly growing and dynamic industry. Tim is originally from Senegal, West Africa, and she first moved to the United States at the tender age of 17 as an international student. After she graduated with her bachelor's and master's degrees in electrical engineering, she joined the corporate world as a product and test engineer, and there began her employment-based immigration journey. Fatim has over 15 years of experience in the semiconductor industry and is a diversity and inclusion advocate. She has been fortunate to work for companies that recognize the value that a diverse workforce, including immigrants, brings to their success and the importance to foster an inclusive workplace environment. I'm looking forward to hearing Fatim's insights today. Hello and welcome to the Immigrant Incorporate podcast. On this podcast, you will learn from lived experiences how to thrive in the corporate workplace as an immigrant. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrant Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. On this podcast, I will be amplifying immigrant voices from within corporate organizations through solo episodes, as well as guest interviews. It is a global world of work, and I'm very sure you can learn a thing or two from my guests who are originally from different parts of the world and their experiences working in the corporate workplace. Hi everyone, my guest today is Fatih Mbai and I'm going to let her teach us how to say her name because I know I did not say it right. All right, Fatim, do you want to Hi. explain your name and how sure. to pronounce it? Sure. Hi, Lola. So you are actually pretty close. Um, so my name is Fatim and my last name is Mbai. Um, I've had to teach people for the last few years that I've lived here <laughs> and uh when I first moved here, they, they taught me how to say it in American, and uh, mm-hmm. I was a, I was a little too shy to correct them. Mm. So for the longest time, it's like, yes, I'm Fatim, but it's actually Fatim. The, Fatim. Yes, yes. The emphasis is on the A, not the I. So Fatim. Fatim. I love it. Yes. And thank you for sharing that, because yes, I am also from Nigeria, West Africa, and I've probably been saying it wrong every time I call someone else by that name. And I think that's, as part of our conversation, it's really important that we captured that. All right. So let's get going. The first part of our conversation, I want to my audience to get to know you. I want us to learn about your immigrant story, Fatim, if you could share with us how did you get here, you know, as much as you want to about your background? Sure. So I am from Senegal, West Africa. So um, I was born and grew up there with my family. I was the youngest of five siblings and my childhood was nice. You know, I lived in a very homogeneous society. Most people that I interacted with when I was young were from Senegal. Um, we do have foreigners, but we, it doesn't really even register, like, because they just 
Senegal is such a welcoming country. Uh, we're known for being very hospitable that whoever comes in just gets adopted and you're one of us. So I never really had that concept of, oh, this is a foreigner or, oh, I'm in like, like everybody was the same to me. And uh, I lived there. The, my first experience of being exposed to different nationalities was actually mm -hmm. in high school because okay. after middle school i was i transferred to to a high school that was very um internationally diverse so there was a lot of nationalities so in in senegal we have a pretty uh big lebanese community okay so there was a lot of students from lebanon but they they they're also very they're adopted they've adopted the senegalese culture so i would mm -hmm. say they're senegalo lebanese but we also had a lot of expats who sent their kids to that school so a mm -hmm. lot of french a lot of people from egypt morocco other different countries niger mali like it was very diverse uh, internationally and uh, i moved to this country after i finished my high school so the first reason for me to move here was to go to college I, I love you sharing about Senegal though, because I am also from West Africa. I have met more people from all over the world in America than in Nigeria. And I, I love how you said homogeneous community because for most of us growing up in Africa, that's how we raised, right? Mm -hmm. A community with everybody looking similar to us or anybody that comes in, we all just blend together. And so, yeah, that diversity starts to show up in high school. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was my first exposure. And, you know, it was at a very young age and, you know, being the new girl in the school and then there's all these nationalities. It can be a little intimidating at first, but luckily it was in an era where, you know, having good grades was still cool. So after the first test, <laughs> and they were like, oh, so wh what school did you go to again? Yep, everybody wants to be your friend now. And, and I think you touched on something that I wanted to highlight too, is the way education really is valued back in Africa, right? Your education really matters. It makes a difference. It elevates you. It's recognized. Mm -hmm. and, and I think when we come into a different country, we kind of bring that with us. Um, we carry that along. So let's move to getting into the United States. You said you came here for school? Yes. So after I finished uh, high school, I moved here. At the time, most of my siblings were living here. One had finished college and went back. So we kind of crossed paths. Okay. But I came and I lived in Maryland um, in, okay. uh, with my sister and her family. Okay. And uh, I started in a school, you know, one of those private for business schools did that for about a year and a half. I was a computer science major at the time. And uh, already I was in a new country mm -hmm. and I came in the month of November. Okay. Um, I must say I had gone, I had come to the US before. Um, okay. To a few years prior, yes. When I was 14, I did come for a vacation with my mom to come for my brother's graduation. Okay. But that was my only experience. And then it was in the summer. Yeah. So I come back never seen snow <laughs> I show yep. in February and you know I get sent into this school because you know at the time I wasn't aware of the system how do you get into it? what's a good school what's this so I just followed pretty much what people told me and mm -hmm. what people told my parents and we just went with it and I was in one of those you know for working adults university colleges and it was pretty boring 
for me. Like I didn't feel like I didn't feel challenged. First of all, I was in the same class as a lot of people who are much older than me. So it was already hard to make friends because coming from a country where age is like comes with respect, somebody who's older than you, you, you have to have some risk. It's almost like, yeah, I can't call you my friend. You're much older. I need to call you auntie and uncle, you know? <laughs> that is so funny because I, I, I think you also touched on something about education in America because I encountered that when I came in as well. Is We don't see adults going to school. You know, it's not a common thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a shock to me when I saw it. I was like, wow, this is awesome but at the same time like this is not what I expected you know (laughs) so I struggled a bit with that and um about about a year into it I remember I was talking I went to visit actually my best friend from high school was going to a university in Virginia as well called Old Dominion University and I went to visit her at the end of the year in the, like around the holidays. And I was like, wow. And she, I met all her friends. She lived in a dorm, you know, I was living at my sister's house. So, you know, you just go to school and you come home and she was living in the dorms and it was the international hall and all the friends, people from everywhere, from all other African countries. I was like, this is so cool from the Caribbeans, from Australia. Like they had all kinds of kids around the same age from different backgrounds. I was like, oh my God, this is so nice. And she was like, why don't you apply? I'm like, but you know, I don't know if they'll let me come, you know, being the baby of the family, they always want you to live with the sibling. They're not Mm -hmm. really ready to cut the umbilical cord. So she was like, you know what? There is an international scholarship that you can apply to. If you get it, I bet you that's going to be a good incentive for them to let you go. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) So I applied and I got it. And I was like, guess what? Because, you know, tuition is very expensive. And especially when your parents are paying for it and they live in Africa, the buying power sometimes is not the same. It's not like I come from a super rich family. Right. So our parents had to do a lot of sacrifices for us to be able to come to, you know, to America and get an education. Right. Right. So when I said that, <laughs> they were like, wow, that's great. And I was like, and my, my, my best friend lives there. So we're going to be together and it's going to be great. And they're like, okay, cool. And my mom was like, you know what? And it's actually not a bad idea. It'll, it'll teach you some independence and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. help you, you know, make your own identity. And I was exactly. actually very surprised when she said that. I was like, wow, she's a lot more progressive than I gave her credit for, you know? Yeah, no, and and, and that's also another cultural thing about uh, growing up in West Africa is that tied to your family. So when I tell people, you know, I moved from Nigeria, I don't think people really get what that means because in, in African culture, you don't leave home until you get married as a young girl, right? Exactly. You either exactly. stay with another family member or you keep living with people until you move to your husband's house. <laughs> exactly. There's no such thing as living on your own as a single young girl. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> so as well. long as I live with my sister. In fact, when I finished high school, there was an option for me to go to France to study. But because I didn't have any siblings there, my mother put her foot down. She's like, no, you're not going. And even there, I had a scholarship to go, but she was like, no. And my, my, my dad's like, but it's a scholarship. She was like, nope. She's too far young. away. And at the time I was 17, I, I, I get why she didn't want that to happen, yeah. you know? Yeah. So 
Which That's is why, why it was even more important and surprising when she said yes to this one. Exactly. And she was like, yeah, and it'll help you, you know, to be a little bit more independent. And I was like, at the time I was about to be 19, I was 18 in some, some months. So she's like, okay, cool, do it. Oh, cool. So I went home for a vacation, stayed six weeks and then came back and moved to Virginia for, wow. to go to school. And go there school. I changed my major to computer engineering. Because okay. at the time, when I first came, I wanted to be in aerospace engineering. And my dad at the time was like, because the, the plan was you go, to, you go to school and you come home. So right. she was like, right. he was like, what will you be doing with an aerospace degree in West Africa? You know, yeah. and, I, and I was just fascinated by planes and, you know, spaceships and just learning the math and physics behind it and all that. So she, he was like, you know, networking, computer networking is booming this was like the early 2000s so i started with computer networking then computer science then when i moved to odu i was doing computer engineering so i was a computer engineering major for two years okay. um for the first two years until my okay. junior year where i switched my major to electrical engineering did you graduate with electrical yes i did okay. and i must say that was probably the best decision i made by moving away i love my family i'm not saying that like it was good that i got like away from them but it helped me to really learn about what it's like to live in America. What's the American culture? Right. What are the, the differences? How do you adapt? How do you still keep your identity and all those things? Mm -hmm. And um, at my university, they had a separate session for international student during orientation, a separate few sessions. And okay. it's really to just help us, you know, to, you know, adapt and right, understand right. what it's like this new country that we're in it wasn't a new country for me but in a way it was because until then i was kind of shielded still lived right. with my family only yep. interacting with the senegalese community you okay. know yeah and 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 this is this is part of the the conversation that also helps us to contrast the experience right so we're talking about your experience coming into college as an immigrant so let's mm -hmm. move to the workplace because yeah. that's really the focus of this podcast as well mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. for the immigrant population within corporate America, within uh -huh. the corporate workplace in different parts of the world, right? Mm -hmm. So what was that transition like for you? And what do you do right now? What is your role? If you could give us your, your background and then talk about your, your career journey so far. Yes. So currently I am a technical program manager. So I manage teams, uh, cross-functional teams and programs. Um, I work at a company called Qualcomm, which is uh, a leader in wireless uh, semiconductor technology. So I work in a field called extended reality. That's what I've been working on for the past year now. And uh, we're, you know, enabling people to come up with technologies and solutions for this new thing called the extended reality. So that goes from augmented reality, mixed reality to virtual reality. As you know, now it's a big thing, yep. um, this mm -hmm. whole metaverse. And All right. so it's just, you know, making sure that we have the technology to and the software to help contribute into this new field and enable customers and get into the future. <laughs> sounds fun. Sounds like the background that none of us know. We just enjoy the front end and the products, right? Yes, <laughs> we don't it, know all of the work that happens. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of research behind it. A lot of very talented people 
who are all, you know, doing research coming up. There's deep learning, machine learning, AI involved. It's just really like a lot of, you know, technologies like camera technology, sensors that come together to give you this immersive experience, whether it's from, you know, the least immersive, which is like the AR, the -hmm. augmented reality, where, you know, you're wearing an AR glass and you're seeing the real world, but you see some portions of the virtual world as part of it to, you know, the fully immersive, which is your headset, where you are fully immersed in the virtual world. Wow. It's really cool. And it's every day I'm amazed at how, like, just the, the caliber of people that I work with. Right. And uh, I'm learning. Like I said, I've just moved into this technology for, in the last year, and I'm still learning so much. And I'm never shy to ask questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the yeah. thing. That, that's like one of the advice I would give probably later to newcomers. Never right. sh- no question is stupid. Right. Um, and uh, yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, you talked about just moving into this in the new year, uh, in the last year, and just all of the things you are learning. You keep learning, right? And, and we'll get to that. But can you share, if any, some of the barriers? Of course, I know there's some <laughs> barriers and, and the differences, the cultural shock, corporate cultural shock, if I may, when you came into corporate uh, workplace, right? Was there anything that maybe was surprising, was a struggle, and how did you um, handle that? So for me, it wasn't so much of a struggle. Nothing really comes to mind other than maybe. So I started in a company called Texas Instrument. When I started in the corporate world, I started as an intern at the time in a site in Tucson, Arizona, which is one of their satellite sites um, that came from an acquisition. So when I came in, I was really young at the time, early 20s. And I think that was the shock again, going back to my first college experience, coming and being the youngest in the team, the only girl. It wasn't so much of the, I'm the only immigrant because of the field that I'm in, you know, right. in technology and engineering. Like the team I joined was like the United Nations. We had people from Cyprus, India, China, you know, Senegal. Mexico, America, like it was very diverse. So that wasn't a shock per se. So I think I think what you just described is shout out to the company you worked for because yeah. usually a lot of tech companies are not very diverse. And I'm familiar with that company. So I know that's one of the plus of being part of that team. So wow, kudos yes, to you. I guess <laughs> I was lucky in that sense. And not only that. But they they have a lot of like they call these diversity initiatives. I don't know what they call them now, but at the time they called them diversity initiatives. Uh, basically, these groups, you know, for women, for Black employees, for Muslim employees, and things of that sort. And I remember at the time, um, the business unit I was part of, the BU manager at the time was an African American man. And when I joined, I will never forget that because they're all involved in the Black Employee Initiative. Mm -hmm. They pretty much made sure that I felt like, yes, you belong. So I remember the first time he came to visit the site, he came to my cubicle to meet me. And I was like, wow. And you can imagine me all wide eyed and bushy tail, like, oh my God, (laughs) you know? And he was like, you know, we'll, we'll find you a mentor because at the time, I must say it was very diverse, but we did not have a lot of black employees at the site. I believe it was just 
me and two other, like there was one marketer uh, that was African-American and then there was another test engineer who was from Jamaica. And they made sure that I, an, a, a mentor was identified for me because they do understand that when, you know, you, when you're a minority and you come into the group, it can be pretty intimidating. Mm-hmm. So they made sure that I had people that I could go to if I had any questions. Even when I didn't have any questions, they just made sure that they would take me out to lunch from time to time. We'll talk about some new concept, you know, this and that. Any challenges you're facing and this and that. So it really helped me because at the base, I'm a very shy person. And it really helped that they came to me first. Wow. Yes. So part of the work I do with corporate organizations is supporting employee resource groups. And what you described really is the ideal situation that I hope we create for minority employees, right? Not just immigrants, but people from different ethnicities, people from different generations, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you are really talking about that value you found in a culture that was inclusive for you, mm-hmm. right? Because it wasn't enough that there was a diverse employee at the company. It was mm-hmm. the efforts that they made intentionally to include you. Uh, that really helped you right from the start. So thank you for sharing yes. that. No uh, problem. <laughs> about that experience. I, I I hope we can get more of that, get more companies doing that. So I think you're already kind of alluding to that because what you just said is, is a good lesson for an organization. But also if there's one thing that helped you that you share with other immigrants, other underrepresented um, employees, when they start in the corporate world or as they grow their career, what, what, would, what kind of advice would you give them from your own experience? From my experience, I would say, because I, I know how I felt when I joined, I was shy. I didn't want to bother people. Like, I don't want to just, but go to people, go to people. No man is an island. Like you will need people coming into corporate America for the first time. Most of the time, you know, it's you're coming right out of school. You don't know the dynamics. You don't know how it works. You don't know about the work culture. So yes, we go to people, meet people, ask questions. If you see, like, you know, as you start getting familiar, make sure you always have at least one mentor because you will need it. It's somebody that you can bounce whatever's going on in your head. Right. You know, I would say that's the that, that's the biggest and and network network. Right. Make sure, you know, once you get familiar with the different roles, let's say you're now comfortable in your role, like figure out, okay, if you see something that you're interested in that you want to try, find somebody who does that. Talk to them. Ask right. questions. They're like, hey, can I, can I, you know, meet with you for coffee? Maybe once a month, you can tell me more about your, your work. I can tell you more about who I am and what I do and what I'm interested in. And, you know, and frankly, that's how I moved into my next role after after my entry level. Okay. And, yeah. and, 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 and always be clear about, like, you know, you might be thinking, I can't be transparent with my management, but be transparent. Right. Like and, you're talking about ask, your career ask goals. the same. Yes. Right. About your career goals. Mm-hmm. Tell them I'm interested in this. So when an opportunity comes and you are, it's not a shock. It's not a surprise right. to them. Right. And, and I, I want to also still emphasize on the value of employee resource groups, employee networks, because what you talked about is important. You are naturally more of an introvert. And even though you know you wanted to ask questions, you wanted to know, it wouldn't necessarily be an easy step 
for an introvert to take. But what helped is because you had all these pockets, all these groups that were already in existence at the company and they yes. reached out to you. And mm-hmm. I mean, how, how did that experience feel like uh, for you to connect through the groups? Honestly, it 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 was very, I don't know how, like very, I don't know the word, in, even after 20 years, English is still not my first language. <laughs> It was very settling. Like, I don't know how to explain. Like, it, it it made me feel like, yes, this is doable. Like, you have people, like, that you can sit on their shoulder. Like, when I came, like I said, they, they were there. They made sure I had a mentor. And even when there were, like, big events, because I was at a satellite site, they flew me out to Dallas to join wow. those events. Yeah. Wow and be involved and it empowered me to learn more about other initiatives that were out there. And one of them was the women's initiative, which wasn't very strong at the time in Tucson. So we revived it. And by the time I left, I had been the chair of the women's initiative. That's awesome. So, so I would say every company and, and the companies win because diversity, you know, it increases, you know, productivity, you get better ideas, you get more ideas everybody wins. Right, right. And and the diversity. So a lot of companies focus on hiring now, right? Like bringing mm-hmm. diverse people. Uh, but diversity is one thing. Inclusion is is another thing. Exactly. It's about feel, making them feel included right. and making sure that you retain them. Exactly, exactly. Because I see a lot of attrition when it comes to like in my, like I, I spent quite a few years, like in my, I've been in the corporate world for 15 years, but I've only worked for two companies. So in each, oh, wow. in each company, I stayed quite a bit, but I've seen in each situation where sometimes people don't stay long and it's, it's these minorities, like we hire them, but how do we retain them? So we'll get a little bit technical and give you some tough questions. <laughs> I mean, you've had a lot of experience in the corporate world and okay. you are familiar with some of those things that I'm talking about, right? Like diversity and the inclusion part. What do you think as the most important role in these? Is it the manager? Is it the leader? Is it the team members, right? What, what, what have you seen? What do you think? About like inclusion? Inclusion, including other people, including immigrants, including other minorities. I think everybody plays an important role. It, it's right. yeah it, like you, you can't just say it's one person's responsibility right. in my opinion yes it starts with hr and the hiring manager to make sure that you are able to attract those talents you know because at the end of the day yes you 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 want to go where the talent is no matter what it looks like right right where right. it is from so you have to make sure that you position yourself as the company for them right Right. And I think immigrants pay, play an important part in corporate America. A lot of real strong performers right. are immigrants, you know. So right. I think it's in every company's vested interest to make sure that they attract those talents. Right. And then it comes to then when they come in, even, you know, having training in place to make sure that everybody has that awareness of, you know, even the people who are not minority for them to understand, you know, because I understand what this whole diversity and inclusion is because I'm a minority, so inclusion matters. But for a group that's not a minority, it might not be their priority, priority right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the company's responsibility to have trainings and programs in place to make sure that everybody 
gets educated about diversity and inclusion and why it's important. Right, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I am so impressed about the groups and how they helped you, considering, you know, somebody that came from a very homogeneous society and away from family, getting into corporate America at a big organization. I love how you share that. That really stuck with me, how you shared about the groups and and the intentional efforts that were made to get to know you, to make sure you have everything you need. That's the goal. That's the goal of all of these conversations for me is Mm -hmm. being an immigrant, being a stranger, being a new person, being a culturally diverse person. Organizations need to make that intentional effort to make sure that they are not left behind, right? Like immigrants are part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation. So I am giving kudos to your company that made your experience worthwhile. Before we end, is there anything you would like to share uh, for our uh, audience? I guess what what you just said made me think about you know yes it's it's good to have the, like the companies for them to have those programs, but also as an immigrant, I think we also have a responsibility to you know like make an effort, be open basically. You know we've come from far, like be open to new ways of doing things. I think being an immigrant, you have to be, but when you come to the company, just be open to teaching people. Like when people ask you questions about your culture or this, take it as an opportunity to educate them. And, you know, then you realize we have a lot more in common than different. Exactly. Exactly. I I completely agree with you. Well, thank you so much for being here, Fatim. I loved having this conversation with you and I know our audience would enjoy it as well. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, as always, for these important conversations on the corporate world of work from the immigrant perspective. For more resources and upcoming events, please visit our website, www.immigrantsincorporate.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Immigrants Incorporate. If you are on LinkedIn, please join the group Thriving in Intersectionality-Immigrants Incorporate America. There will be a new episode every week, so make sure you are subscribed to get notified. Please leave us a rating, leave a review, and I hope to see you next time. Thank you.